Welcome to episode 201 of From the Front Porch, a collection of conversations on books, small business, and life in the South. My name is Chris Jensen, and I am alone at the mic for this intro because we have a very special episode for you this week. I don't mean very special episode in the context of an 80s after-school television special, in which the very special episode means we are going to sit down and talk to you about some things that you shouldn't be doing. No. I have something much better for you. This week, Annie sat down with Knox McCoy, co-host of the Popcast and author of The Wondering Years, which you will hear all about in Annie's interview. Um, I do want to note at the top of the show that this is a live episode, which means that the audio quality is very different. You will hear the audience, um, you'll hear some laughter and some applause, and the um, volume of our speakers might not be what you are accustomed to. And so as long as you have that in mind, I hope you enjoy this very special episode. intimidating. (laughs) I feel like you're a podcast professional. Oh my gosh, Um, if you only knew. (laughs) um, But I first wanted to start with some questions about your book, um, because it is one that I thoroughly enjoyed and loved, and I I think partly because I come from a similar background. But I'm curious, you have always wanted to write a book. I get that impression. Mm-hmm. How how did a pop culture podcast <laughs> lead you to become an author? That's that a, seems like a winding road. A very winding road, <laughs> very curvy road. Um, yeah, so let's see. We, so we started five years ago. Okay. And when we started, I remember we didn't have any specific plan of we're going to do this and then this will happen and then we'll make money and then Jamie will get free stuff on the internet. Like, it was never, never that thought out. I know, you know, b- before we started the podcast, I was actually shopping a book. I had an agent and uh, we were shopping like a primitive version of uh, The Wondering Years uh, and it was called Pop Culture is My Sunday School Teacher. Okay. Nobody liked it. Nobody liked it at all. <laughs> so I think we had interest in one, I think they called it a micro publisher. Okay. And we couldn't get him to call back, or his number was like a fax line or something. <laughs> so I th- when that happened, I thought, okay, I'm going to have to build a platform, and either they'll pay attention to me then, or that'll allow me to do uh, the book then. And honestly, uh, after we started, I got hired to be a kind of a screenwriter for a Christian uh, uh, internet company <laughs> sounds. We're going to talk about it, that. It sounds. Like, yeah. We're going to talk about Christian as, as an adjective. As, yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> Very sexy job. Um, and you know that kind of scratched the writing itch for a little bit. Um, and then we really got focused on the show, and you know it culminated with in I think three. Well, I guess it was two years ago, three Octobers ago. Um, I reached out to uh, my agent now who. Uh, she represents Sophie Hudson, okay. and Sophie and I were friends, and I asked Sophie if I could reach out and use her name. She said, yeah, and I gave her uh, a fiction uh, a fiction book proposal ah. in uh, 10 chapters, and I was like, this is it, and she replied and said, this is weird. 
<laughs> and I was like, well, good. That's good. She's like, not good, weird. Like, the bad weird. Yeah. So, no. This is a no from me. And, you know, about four, uh, four months passed, and I think she started listening, and the show grew a little bit, um, and then she reached back out and said, have you ever thought about nonfiction? Um, so I kind of dredged up the original proposal, and we worked it out a little bit, and it, mm-hmm. you know, came to fruition, so. I'm curious, because the book, if you read it, which I hope you will, um, it's really intensely personal, mm-hmm. and there are parts of it that really hit close to home, and I think I even said this on Instagram, like, I read it, and was laughing out loud and, like, reading it out loud to Jordan, and then the next minute was a little bit tearful, <laughs> <laughs> and so it kind of runs the gamut, and I'm curious, you seem like a kind of private per- person, for somebody that has a podcast sure. and a social media platform right. you seem pretty private yeah and so how especially if you started with this fiction idea right. how did you kind of decide I'm going to sit down I'm going to pour my heart and soul out and then deliver it to the masses right. yeah. <laughs> you know I think um that initial like defeat of no one wanting to read that first proposal I think I thought well I'm just that's not for me mm-hmm. so um, I'll do podcasts or maybe movies um, and maybe fiction. Um, and so I never really thought through it anymore. But then when, when Lisa had reached back out to me, I think the whole process of like someone showing me attention was like, maybe this could work. Mm-hmm. And once the ball got rolling, I never thought like, so I'm going to have to look people in the eye and they're going to know things about me. <laughs> you know, like yeah. I just got a text from my aunt who's like, what is this supposed to mean? You know, <laughs> just like holding me to the fire. Yeah. But I remember, because if you've read it, I talk about uh, a past job where I had to be a uh, beat reporter for pregnant Kim Kardashian. <laughs> this was my first writing job on the internet. And it paid really well, but it was uh, soul crushing. <laughs> but um, I remember I'd, I'd written that and I sat down with lunch uh, with my publishers and I'd said something, and my publisher said, kind of like that time you had to write about Kim Kardashian. <laughs> and I looked at her like, how did you know that? And like that was the first moment I thought, oh, people oh, will know things yeah. about me, strange yeah. things about me. Yeah. But I, I think it was just so um, enthralling yeah. to have someone ask you to do it that I never thought... Oh, this could be this could be weird for me. One day. Yeah. So I'm curious. Have you gotten aside from your aunt's text? Sure, uh, right. Have you gotten interesting reactions from people you know? And because you're pretty open in the book, you talk about your family, mm-hmm. you talk about your faith really intimately. I think, mm-hmm. um, and that can feel intensely personal sure. to kind of put that out there. Yeah. What kind of reactions have you gotten? You know, and it's uh, it's a weird thing because I, I think a lot of a lot of what I've done in my life is like. Uh, not that the podcast is like this big deal, but like this big event in my life. But it's a lot of people I know are like pre-podcast and then post-podcast. <laughs> There's not a lot of people who are both, you know? Mm-hmm. And so as people from my real life, I, I don't know if they know I wrote a book, you know? So like there's not a lot of, <laughs> yeah. there's people who have been incredible on the internet reaching out yeah. um, and, and saying things like, because I'm interested when you said you laughed and you cried, like what's, because I've gotten some of that. Yeah. What is the part that you read, if you don't care, like that kind of provoked that out. Yeah, I think, well, all the chapter, and I, I imagine this was intentional, like they're very funny and have all these anecdotes, but then by the end, there's a point to all of right, it. But, sure. Good job, you did. Thank you. <laughs> Sweet. <laughs> um, but at the end, it, it kind of culminates in like this final paragraph where I've been laughing the whole chapter and then I'm tearing up uh, because, um, so you and I are Enneagram right. Fives. Yeah. Um, I have wondered my whole life yeah. and I have had questions and I've been in situations where those questions were not appreciated, uh, they were they were more 
almost a, a detriment or seen as, oh no, she's the girl that asks uh, questions. Yeah. Um, and so reading about somebody who asked questions and who was okay with that, you can still have faith, but have questions was really comforting to mm-hmm. me, but also made me tear up or the parts about your dad, your family, sure. that stuff made me tear up. Um, because I think when we read, we frequently, if we, if an author has done their job really well, we find a kindred spirit. Sure. And I think that can make us feel, C.S. Lewis says, can make us feel less alone. Ah. Um, and so I think that is what evoked that for me personally. But I know in my own life, I am a private person, but I also am on the internet. Right. And I'm pretty open. Yeah. I, my mother-in-law, I used to have a blog because everybody we used did. to have a we blog. Yeah. <laughs> and so um, I remember my mother-in-law like pulled me aside one day and she was like, you're very open on the internet and I was like well I mean I'm a private person but if you ask me a question I'm going to answer yeah, yeah. like and I I don't know if that's a personality thing I, you know I, I don't know if this is just unique to us or for everybody but um there's a part of it like I get to control and shape what I share my yeah, vulnerability yeah. you know and like with the book and the podcast I get to edit the podcast yeah and hopefully like I kind of edit the book but I also have editors who will be like that was weird there were several <laughs> things too weird don't yeah. do that yeah. um but like the, the in-life vulnerability, that's very intimidating. Okay, you know? I think that's true. Because, so Flannery O'Connor is one of my favorite writers, mm-hmm. and she says that she wrote to know how she felt about things. Ooh. She wrote to know what she thought. Yeah. And that's exactly why I write. Um, and I, in person, I think I'm a lot more awkward than I am on paper. <laughs> <laughs> and so I don't know if that's familiar to you at all. I want to be the, the person who, like, in real life, they're like, whoa, he's so cool. Yeah. But it's probably not. It's yeah. the other, you know? Yeah. Stay on the internet, man. Yeah. Like, but that's okay. So I want to talk about Christian publishing. Okay. Um, so we are a bookstore. Mm. We're not a Lifeway right. or a Christian bookstore. We have one of those in town. They're mm. delightful. Um, <laughs> but I'm curious. I feel like an ad, but that's okay. Yeah. But I'm curious about Christian publishing is such an interesting concept to yeah. me. I was talking to Jan Karen. She wrote the Mitford books. Okay. Fiction. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and they certainly, her main character is a priest, um, but they're not categorized as Christian fiction. And we were talking about why there's this kind of line, mm-hmm. because I think your book actually can be for people of a variety of faiths, sure. faith backgrounds, perhaps people of no faith. Um, but certainly Thomas Nelson is a Christian publisher. Mm-hmm. And you and I both know there are certain stores that are strict about what they carry, and I'm dying to know how you got some of this stuff in this book. Yeah. <laughs> because yeah. there were chapters where I would be like, Jordan, <laughs> I don't know how they did this. So please explain how you were able to get yeah. some of this stuff in your book. It was a lot of negotiation. Like, there were some chapters that I knew wouldn't work, but I yeah. thought it would be horse trading. You know, yeah. I could give in on that. But I think uh, a, a good part of it was... Um, so it, I think it's like HarperCollins Christian, Thompson Nelson, yeah. and then W is who I intimately worked with. Those were my editors. Okay. And um, they were so cool from the beginning. You know, writing it, having like not had any traction on that first book. Um, this one, I thought I'm going to write. I'm going to write what I want to write and like the voice. And they might not like that. And that's okay. But they're going to know it's going to be like I wanted to come in spicy, you know, <laughs> so it's like they like it. They like it. And yeah. if they don't like it can be cooler or chilled out, but it's going to come in weird. Um, and so they liked it weird. They were like, OK, we like what you're saying. We like how you're saying it. We think this is a valid conversation because I think, you know, especially with that Christian publishing, it's when you hear that, it's a certain kind of conversation. Yes. And it's not a bad conversation. It's a great conversation. Yeah. I'm not skilled or equipped to have that conversation. Well, and I think it's for a certain audience of people, mm-hmm. and we're not all in that audience of people. 100%. <laughs> and I think 
I don't know, maybe, I don't know if it's part of the machine has marginalized those people with the different voice or if the people with those voices haven't felt the confidence to try to have that conversation, yeah. you know, because like a lot of the Bible binge is a faith conversation, but in a, a different way. And yeah. I think that's still valuable yeah. to have that conversation. Well, yeah, because again, I think, I don't know, sometimes I have thought, and maybe that's part of the reason your book resonated was earlier in my life, that part of Christian publishing did feel like I fit there. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's like the older I've gotten, the more questions I've had and the, and the weirder I think. Right. And, and <laughs> so there's a part of that Christian publishing world that doesn't really make sense to me anymore. Or yeah. it almost feels like they've answered things that I don't feel like we're meant to have answers to. Yeah. It's far more black and white. We'll put right. it that way. And so I liked your book cause it was great. <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> cause I, I think a lot of those books and I don't want to like, and I know you're not doing this either. No. Like don't want to poo poo those books. Right. No, but like, my mom loves that. Yeah. But it's just not my kind of book. <laughs> right. right. And that's, that's okay too. But I see those in the lens of like the Barbara Walters fuzzy light interviews. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, what's Which happening? Which I love those. Those are great for a time, right? <laughs> These are so cool. Yeah. But now I'm like, what's the lighting going on? Like, you know, I don't want the weird like man on the street interviews that get yeah. to like the, the different kinds of conversations. So. Yeah. Mm. Uh, I listened to your podcast this week. Barbara Walters is still alive. Is I just really? feel like I need you to know. Half the time, I don't know. <laughs> Jordan and I just I'm had Googling, this conversation because yeah. <laughs> we were like, who will I be sadder about dying? Tom Brokaw or Barbara Walters? It's a tough call. It's a tough one. It's a tough um, one. So she is still alive. Ever since we, because we had a conversation about, or we didn't really have a conversation, um, someone brought up Ashanti. And Jamie assumed she was dead, and I just didn't know. I and, thought she was dead. And she's, like, alive she's and kicking. She's well. doing great. She's got a great life right now. But I did so. look up Barbara Walters because I was you don't hear a lot about her right you don't. now. So you don't. I was worried about her. Yeah. Um, so writing this book, you had questions. I get the sense by the time I finish the book, you still have questions, mm-hmm. um, which I think most of us do. Mm-hmm. But it does seem like your faith feels more grounded by the mm-hmm. end, and I don't know if that's something that comes with age. I don't know that it does. Cause I feel like I have more questions now than yeah. I did 10 years ago, but how did writing the book maybe even help cement your faith, even mm-hmm. though you were writing about questions you had and, and struggles, um, you had throughout your life. Um, it feels like by the end you feel a little bit more confident, at least in who you are. Yeah. You know, I think going into it, I had a lot of rigidity and like pre-cemented thoughts about everything because you know you're 18 and you know everything so you know how the world should be (laughs) but I think the process of you know like so in the last chapter I talk about my dad getting diagnosed with cancer and like that was that was the event not like you know like kind of thing but like okay that was the first time I had to like really think what do I believe right Mm -hmm. and I've, I've since read and heard people talk about how the you know midlife faith crisis is a very common thing. Mm-hmm. Just no one talks about it. And I think, but it, it gets to that point of you've had all these things you've believed. You don't know why you've believed them. And then, but you have experiences and you, and you want to start thinking through like, okay, what is the value of all this? So I think the process of writing the book, the process of going through my dad's diagnosis, um, it cemented a confidence mm-hmm. of like the questioning mm-hmm. and the thinking through and examining things. So it's like, it's like I'm less cemented or rigid about what I believe. There's a fluidity, yeah. right? So like I'm cemented in the fluidity yeah. of, um, I don't know everything I'm going to know about myself and how I feel about things right now. But you're okay with it. Yeah. And that's okay. Yeah. yeah. And I think, I don't know. So I grew up, um, in the church of Christ tradition mm. and I grew up going to a Baptist school. Okay. So I was, I died laughing at Carmen. Nobody ever talks about Carmen anymore. <laughs> I'm like that was a really specific sure. reference. And you know what's really weird about that? So my dad, he had uh, a kind of cancer called multiple myeloma. It's kind of okay. a weird, rare kind of cancer. Um, 
there was uh, one notable person who had this cancer. It was Carmen. What are the odds? What are the odds? (laughs) It's so strange. Yeah. (laughs) So I feel like early in my life, faith was defined by the answers you had. Mm -hmm. And then as I've gotten older, I feel like I have more questions, but I'm getting okay with that. Mm -hmm. I'm okay with that. But it's hard to explain to, I think... I, I think it's hard to explain to people, and I like what you said about this midlife faith crisis mm-hmm. is normal, but we don't talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. Because it, it almost feels, I can't tell if I think the church is trying to flex with, and I don't know if it's a generation of people our age growing up with that specific emphasis of, you know, for me, it was like, I talked about like salvation, hell, the antichrist, you know, that's <laughs> the So I think, you know, they really light stuff. Just, very <laughs> just stuff. Yeah, the lightest things, real appetizers. But I don't know if the church is flexing accordingly and people are trying, like they've been informed of that experience and they're trying to, I don't know, I don't know that they're, I'm trying to figure out if I think they're equipped to handle that flex in mm-hmm. faith or if they're just like, we have to do this thing. And then that's on you. And that's not a bad yeah. thing to be like, it's on you to kind of believe what you believe. Yeah. Hmm. Um, I'm curious about, you start, you and Jamie started with the podcast, mm-hmm. which I, it is one of my favorite podcasts. It's the <laughs> only one I really listen to every week regardless, okay. like without fail. I appreciate um, that. So, yes. I love it. <laughs> but I'm curious what led you guys to do the Bible binge. Mm-hmm. Um, because I loved the podcast because I felt like it appealed to a wide range. Mm-hmm. The Bible binge, I think, can appeal to a wide range, but I feel like you're probably appealing to a certain type of person. Yeah. Um, so what made you guys decide to tack that on as well? So we had been kicking around. I knew I needed, to, I wanted to come up with another thing that we did to pitch to publishers to get them more excited about me because okay. I was very insecure, right? I was like, <laughs> they're not going to like this. i got to have all this stuff, <laughs> weird stuff that I'm just throwing at them. So we knew that was coming. We had talked about doing a, a book recap, like a book club, because mm-hmm. what we really like to do is um, the shared text of something. Because every right. Wednesday, we have to be so broad. Yeah. And sometimes you know what we're talking about, sometimes you don't. Yeah. But like, weirdly, when we get to talk, recap The Bachelor or The Bachelorette, it's so stupid, but like we all know the same thing we're talking about. Right. So there's some fun and in it. And I that, think that's you know? why the movie recap cinema side piece is so They're fun. They're my favorite things in the world. Yeah. Because you're not having to bring people in and help them understand. Like we all just watch. There's it. already common voice. Yeah. There. So we were going to do something like that, and then it was going to be like recap the Us Weekly magazine, which I'm so glad we didn't do. <laughs> and then we had a weird conversation about Jacob and Esau on the podcast. We kicked the idea around. Everybody in our lives said, don't do that. That's such a bad idea. Right. And I think in my heart, I thought, this probably is a bad idea. <laughs> well, because <laughs> it feels so neat, like so niche. And, and you, so precarious. Yes. You know? But yeah. um, I think we, I won't put words in Jamie's mouth, but I know for me specifically, there was a bit of like struggle with legitimacy of like, mm-hmm. what do you do? Well, I have a podcast and it's a pop culture pod. Like, people mm-hmm. been like, great. <laughs> You're changing the world, man. You know, and not that a Bible podcast would be changing the world, but like, yeah. at least it's like, oh, Bible. Well, at least there's a Bible. <laughs> That's probably a good thing. Yeah. Um, I want to talk about the Enneagram a little bit mm-hmm. because I feel like it's very of the moment. Yes. Like, I know it's this ancient thing, but I feel like everybody is talking about it on right. the internet. I think it was Myers Briggs for a little while, mm-hmm. which is still, I'm going to be honest, still my preferred. Okay. I, yeah, like, I feel like Myers Briggs is more comfortable for me to talk about. Enneagram is weird. <laughs> It's weird, but there's so many letters with the Myers-Briggs. And I'm, <laughs> so you're, I forget it. I need one. Give me one. <laughs> Give me one. Yeah. So I want to talk about you're an Enneagram 5. Mm-hmm. I want to know what that looks like 
in your life. I'm going to give myself as an example. Okay, please. So in my life, and I think I'm an Enneagram 5. That's why the Enneagram is hard for me. I feel like... Do you know Wink? Wink 6. Wink 6, okay. Are you a Wink 4? I'm a Wink 4. Yeah. I, okay. My brother is a 5 Wink 4. Okay, interesting. Yeah, so I am a 5 Wink 6. Uh, for me, I've decided, because for a while I thought, maybe I'm a perfectionist, maybe I'm a uh-huh. 1, but I don't really pay attention to enough details to be a 1. <laughs> sure. I don't think, like, yeah. I just don't care. Um, but I've decided I'm a 5, and I think the way that exhibits itself most frequently is that I'm tired. Mm. All the time, okay. but but it's because, because of this. Yes, it's because, because of, this. of all of this. <laughs> yes. I will go home really tired, <laughs> um, even though you're delightful. Right. Um, yeah. And so that I feel like finally made me realize because I was talking to Lee Kramer, mm-hmm. and I was like, I'm trying to decide if I'm a one or I'm a five. And she was like, well, if you're a five, then I, you just must go home at the end of the day exhausted. And I was like, yes, well, 100%. I'm a five. Yeah. yeah. And so for me, that's kind of how I realized, like, I, I like to go to my home. I like to, um, I'm very analytical and mm-hmm. I ask a lot of questions and I do a lot of research on the internet. Um, and I love this, yeah. but it just takes a lot out of me. And I'm curious, you do a podcast right. the, and we do our weekly podcast. And when Chris and I record together, we'll record two episodes at a time. And oh, when wow. he leaves here, I'm like, get out of here. Get, like, <laughs> I don't ever want to see you again. <laughs> yeah. 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 And so I'm curious how being a five works with social media. And I imagine mm. your publisher pushed you to be more active on social media because right. it's a thing they do now. <laughs> um, and I'm curious how that has been all part of your Enneagram <sighs> Yeah. Type. It's, um, so I, I don't know if this was you when I, when I was hearing it, cause Jamie's like an Enneagram expert. So yeah. she, she teaches small groups and knows, she was talking about how time orientation the other day. I was like, I just, <laughs> okay, fine. you're just too smart for me. But, um, I remember thinking like, that's not, I can't be, I can't be totalized into a number. What do you, I'm a crazy person. Like I'm a, I'm a, just an artist. Real You're tapestry. one of those yeah. who doesn't want to be boxed. I didn't. And, and I then I read it. the, and I was like, that's 100% me. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so I kind of bought all in, but, um, yeah, like the, the recording isn't bad. It's, um, it's like the totality of all the things, you know, mm-hmm. it's the time depletion yeah. and even the live shows aren't really bad. Yeah. Um, it's in, in like meeting people after that, that's not bad. It's almost like I go into a certain mode and then later I'll crash, but I, yes. but it's not like immediate, yeah. but that's the social media and the promotion has been the hardest thing because it, it just feels, um, n- I don't want to say icky, but I feel like I'm, I'm asking people, I'm, I feel like I have to create something that's funny because the background thing I'm trying to do is get you to buy the book. And it just, I feel like I don't want to, I don't want to try to manipulate you. Like yeah. I either buy it or don't. That's and why we have the threes, like my husband yes. or sevens like Jamie to help with that. Cause I feel really fake when I do stuff like that, I but I know it's not like, yeah. it's part of your job. Right. You have to, you have to schlep this thing. Everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> you want it to that, sell. A hundred percent. I do. But like, and especially, um, um, with Aaron and Jamie who are so good at it. Yeah it feels like they're just on a different level. So when I'm trying to do it, it's like they're writing in pen and I'm in crayons, you know, you know, let me just do it for you, please. Because they're, they're so gifted at it. They are good at it. It's that thing of, I think I've heard a lot of people talk about, they write for their, like one person, Mm -hmm. like their demographic, their ideal customer or listener or reader or whatever. And they fit all the demographic boxes. I always do social media like with that one critic of being like, I know why you're doing this. Like you're just trying to get a laugh or you're needing affirmation or whatever. So it's like, it's really, it's really hard to be out there and be social. I would imagine so. Yeah. 
Um, I'm curious about the podcast because I feel like in the past I've been, I was an early adopter. Okay. I'm proud to say. OG listener. Yeah. Okay. And so I've been around for the long haul, mm-hmm. but I do think you guys have grown a lot in the past year or two. Okay. It feels like you've got a lot more listeners. Sure. Maybe I'm speculating, but I'm wondering if the growth of the podcast and being able to publish your book and being able to also, um, start the Bible binge, you do talk pretty honestly about, maybe feeling insecure mm. in your career and mm-hmm. what, and has the growth of the podcast helped with that? Do you feel more cemented now than you did? Yeah. <laughs> Cause like tonight I'm like, did they just come or is it, I don't know. They I don't know. For you. I don't, but you don't know that. You don't know that. I do know that. You don't. They're here though. You know? Um, yeah. Like I think there's a lot of, I've and it's not like, uh, there's a, there's been an issue with legitimacy, yeah. you know, of like, and it's less like, does this, it's the fraud, whatever, complex illusion, whatever you want to call it. But it's not like, I know how hard we've worked. I know how long we've done this. I know that I can pay my bills. So I don't right. have any issue with that. It's a lot of it is like you go on a field trip with your kid and you're with a lawyer and a doctor and a hedge fund manager. And I'm like, just don't ask. Please don't ask. Please don't ask the thing I know you're going to ask. Because how do I, how do you explain well, that? You know? Well, that was what I was going to ask though. In the year of our Lord, 2018, mm. do people still not understand? Oh, hundred percent. And they certainly don't know how like you monetize it. Okay. I might as well say Minecraft expert. They're like, okay, cool. Okay. Like I drugs, guess. something else is going on. There. Yeah. That's how you're doing it. I mean, it. I do think, I, I think a lot of us get those questions anyway though, because I don't know if it's, um, I don't know what gener- I don't know how old you are, mm-hmm. but how old do you think I am? Thirty-four. Thirty-five. Okay. How old are you? Thirty-two. Oh god. <laughs> so youthful. You're so young. You are. You are. Um, so I feel like Jordan and I have this conversation all the time that our generation, mm-hmm. air quotes, um, we don't know where the people are with normal jobs, mm. um, and I don't know if this is a Thomasville thing in particular, but mm-hmm. a lot of entrepreneurs live here, okay. like a lot of, and so it very much feels like you know, we're kind of doing our own thing. And then, you know, I'll go visit. We visited family for Thanksgiving and they were like, so a small business Saturday, like a Thomasville thing. And I was like, no, no. it's a national <laughs> thing. It's a big deal. Probably a global thing, honestly. <laughs> it's yeah. a big deal. And so I think everybody to some extent really does struggle. I mean, the bookstore is this wonderful entity, sure. but it still feels like I'm having to explain. Really? Yeah. Like, I think people think it's a hobby. Ah, like, okay. like, I, I read all that. the time. <laughs> Do you think that's a millennial thing? Because yes. you're, I know you're, if I'm barely millennial, you yeah, have to be I'm millennial. an aging millennial. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I'm a very aging millennial. <laughs> yeah, you really are. <laughs> Careful. Watch out. <laughs> Do you think that is, I can't tell if that is like, we feel that anxiety about it and no one else does, or there's those other generations who have those built-in jobs, um, ironclad jobs. And like, they just look at us and they're like, what are you doing? Like, how are you making I think they're wondering how, like I think about, um, Jordan's dad who like worked, has worked in the same place since he was 22, worked in the same place. My dad is somebody who put his like dreams of being a teacher on hold and decided to go work for state government so that he could support his family. And my brother and I are eternally grateful for that. But my brother is a teacher and I run a bookstore because our dad told us to do that. Um, But I do think sometimes... I say adults, but I know I'm, I am an adult, yeah. <laughs> but, All right. but, but older adults, I do think are a little confused. Like, so, you know, the bookstore, yeah. is this just like a thing you're doing <laughs> it's right now? It's a bookstore. Like, everywhere. <laughs> and about? I do sell them. God. I don't want to meet them for me. Like, I don't want to get to know yeah, them. They really wouldn't understand they what you wouldn't. do. <laughs> they wouldn't. They wouldn't. But like, that's like my dad, he was an entrepreneur and his was, he, 
um, just grew up dirt poor. So it was like he didn't have the benefit of being self-conscious. He was like, I have to pay bills. Right. So he did that and, you know, kind of charted his own path. And I always saw that and thought, I want to do that. And then, you know, cut to I'm terrible at business. I not great at retail, <laughs> doesn't work well with others, you know, that, all that stuff. I was like, well, this isn't me. But it gave me the confidence to be like, okay, I can try something else. It wasn't a uh, formalized thing, so that's still weird. But, you know, I think our biggest growth was right before, right after I pitched my fiction thing, and then when I got, when she emailed me back, when my agent, Lisa, emailed me back, that was our biggest growth. Okay. And there it's been pretty steady ever since. So it's, it's been... I've been able to notice it, but, you know, when, when you're in that, you think, okay, I feel good about this, but then you take it to the real world. You're like, yeah. what is, this doesn't. And podcasting, I think, is weird. I mean, in, I, there are all kinds of things in entrepreneurship, and I do think being a podcaster is entrepreneurial. There are all kinds of things I think about that that are really weird. But in podcasting, I mean, even our little weekly podcast, we've wondered, so how long do you think people are going to keep listening right. to us? Yeah. <laughs> like, because it feels like a fad, but yeah. I don't think podcasting is. I mean, the New York Times has their own podcast, well, so I feel like it's boom. legit. There we go. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it does feel like one of those things, like, how long is are we going to ride this way? I mean, honestly, that's what, <laughs> this is a little inside baseball, but I had a bit like my publisher was great full stop right there was a snafu with marketing and the people they had hired to market the book kept putting me on radio shows and I was like <laughs> okay like, well, okay well, let's do I, I was adamant like let me do podcasts I do podcasts so let me do more podcasts and their their note was like yeah but podcasts like what are podcasts you know like are they going to be ra- around forever yeah it's like well I do a podcast <laughs> so I so hope so I really hope so <laughs> but it's that disconnect of what is this right. and is it forever I do think you have to adapt and innovate and evolve yeah because I don't think because even with us I don't think we can keep doing the same Wednesday thing forever right and still be interesting I think we'll just run out of things right. or weird stuff to talk about but right. But I think as a form, I hope it's here forever. It feels like yeah. it, it satisfies the on-demandness yeah. of, of the moment. I think it's I think it's at least here for a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think it's going anywhere. Yeah. Um, okay, I have some lightning round questions oh. for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, what is the most southern thing about you? <sighs> okay, it's probably that I have a, a relative in jail right now. <laughs> That's probably it. I have, I also, I have an uncle, his name is um, Tyler William, I won't say his last name, Tyler William, um, they, we call him Uncle Ty Bill, okay. and he is the reigning Batman champion. Do you know what, do you guys have Batman, does anybody know what Batman contests are? <laughs> Batman are like, they're like Miss America pageants. But very rednecky, <laughs> and it's fighting based, oh. fighting oriented. Okay. And he's a champion. Oh, that, is, so that is the most southern thing. Not the jail thing. For you. Yeah. It's that. Okay, thank you. <laughs> what, what is the least southern thing about you? You know, and feel free to disagree with me. I think it's maybe my accent. Yeah. I think sometimes it'll sneak out. You'll yeah. hear it. Like when I say words like Spryat and uh, uh, I can't. That was real Southern. I know. It's the elongated. That took me I know. <laughs> took your breath away yeah, for a second. Yeah. Startling. Yeah. But I think most of the time I'm told I have a Midwestern accent. Sure. Does that feel right? Yeah, that feels right. I don't know. I'm seeing no. mostly nods. Mm-hmm. Olivia is the real judge. So, okay. yeah. <laughs> I'm putting she, her on the spot. She's still she's taking it back by yeah. the Spryat yeah. thing. Yeah. <laughs> 
accent. Right. No, I, yeah, I get it. I told She always is talking about the Southern accents. Um, yeah. Jordan, she cannot understand anything Jordan says. <laughs> Subtitles. Yeah. The and then time. I don't think I have one very... I don't think you do either. Yeah, yeah but Olivia says occasionally I do. Okay. So we'll sneak she's out. the judge. Yeah. Yeah, when I go out in public and I have to order, like, drinks for kids or whatever, I'll be like, Sprite. Like, it, it's a Trying very... Real hard. Yeah. And they're like, okay, cool. Calm down. Yeah. The soft drink, man. Um, what is a classic work of literature you've never read, but you wish you had? I remember in college telling, trying to impress a professor and telling him I was going to read the Karamazov Brothers. Oh, and the he was Brothers like, Karamazov. Yeah, he was like, you didn't just... No. You got it wrong. Yeah. <laughs> Not even close. Nice try. And you can't read that, so... If you can't say the Yeah, title. yeah. But I think... I don't... Would The Stand count as sure. classic literature? Sure. It's, Modern classic? I, I remember watching the TV movie with Gary Sinise. Okay. Loving it, mm-hmm. even though it's really bad. But it just... His books are so long. Yeah. That it just... They're a commitment. And... Look, I didn't like eleven twenty two sixty three. Really? Yeah, sorry. Everybody. His writing, like he's he's, he's Stephen King. Yeah. So he's an icon, right? Yeah. His writing just feels a little sweaty. Yeah. You know, like just like it's breathy. It's a lot. And I don't. Yeah. yeah. Um, what are other podcasts you enjoy? I'm I'm listening to one right now called The End of the World. Okay. It's very light. Very. <laughs> but it's talking Seems about to like, be in line with your book. Are you right? <laughs> when, do you are you the kind of five that likes? Um, Scientific knowledge, acquiring facts, and I like news. News. I okay. like I like journalism. Whatever. Really? That li- yeah. So how's I'm the news how's junkie. the last like year been? Real exhausting. Tough year. I'm real huh? tired. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes Jordan. That's why the podcast is a good mm. thing for me because I'll real be like, oh, fluffy. you know what? I've probably consumed too much. Too too <laughs> okay. much. I probably need to turn this off. For right. A See, I like uh, cold facts with no like political persuasion yeah. or anything. Just like that was great. There was nothing to add to See, that. See, I think I'm the I like give me both sides mm. and then let me figure out. What okay. I think, and that's a nightmare. Oh, I don't yeah. recommend. Don't do that. <laughs> don't, yeah, okay. that's real hard right yeah. now. <laughs> no, I like so the end of the world. I just started Villains uh, from the Ringer. Okay, it's Shea Serrano. He takes like a villain from pop culture and breaks him down. It's, oh, that's fun. It's, I'm a little jealous. Yeah, it's such a good idea, but yeah. It's good. So I wondered about that because Jamie, I'm going to veer from lightning round for okay. a second. My okay. podcast, my rules. Okay, uh, Love it. Yeah. <laughs> that's okay. Um, Jamie says she can't listen to pop cat or pop culture podcasts, yeah. or she doesn't very much. And I have also I don't listen to reading podcasts very mm-hmm. much anymore because I'm afraid they'll enter like I don't know if other podcast listeners are this way but I'll say like oh my friend Jamie and Knox right. like, <laughs> like but, do you naturally say that or are you like I have no way to weirdly contextualize what yes, I'm about to say it's because okay. of that podcast yeah. thing so, mm-hmm. but I'll I think I'll say that and then realize oh but I don't want to borrow their yeah. information sure. so I've really had to tune out I don't listen to reading podcasts anymore so it's interesting that you can still do the ringer yeah ones that are that like specific yeah, yeah. I, I feel like but like pop culture happy hour yeah. or more I can't I just I feel like I will cheat yes. and I will steal something and I won't mean to yeah and you won't mean to it, it just kind of enters your psyche yeah mm-hmm. uh, what books are you reading right now I'm reading there's a book called well I'm reading uh, I, I picked up is it Waiting for Eden? You yes, guys sent it to I me. I wondered if you liked it. I liked it a lot. Okay. It, it felt sad. It is sad. And it was right for the book, so I was like, I just uh, want to wait on this. Yeah. So I picked it back up. Okay. Like, anything can happen now. I don't okay. care. <laughs> um, but I'm reading uh, another one called His Excellency. Okay. By George Washington. Okay. I think it's Joseph J. Ellis. 
Oh, okay. He's I didn't good. think it would be. Yeah, he just seems like a boring founding father, but I'm into <laughs> Hamilton right yeah. now. So I'm like, I'll read anything about You're this. You're a little late on Hamilton. I'm yeah. so late on Hamilton, but I'm so hard <laughs> You're on so Hamilton. You're so into it. I'm coming in. We're going next weekend. Oh, you are? We're going next weekend. I'm, we're oh, like, that's I'm, fun. I put so much pressure on Ashley because I'm like, I'm going to watch you watch Hamilton. And this will be great. This will be a great trip. You're going to love it. <laughs> but this, it's really good. Okay. Because um, it talks about like what got him to where he is mm-hmm. and like kind of deconstructs the myth of okay. George Washington. Oh, so, cool. Yeah. Um, okay. I'm going to open it up to questions from the audience. All right. Don't leave us hanging, guys. Yeah. <laughs> so does anybody have questions about the book, mm-hmm. the podcast, anything, any, anything? Mm-hmm. Spry it. Oh, here we go. <laughs> Have it all. All right. Yeah. Um, so as I was reading your book, I am a mom of two young children, and it made me think about how our childhood experiences influence the ways that we parent, because mm-hmm. I've already noticed that oh, yeah. <laughs> um, with my two-year-old even. And so I was curious how some of your times of wondering have influenced how you let your kids wonder Mm. Um, and I'm also interested because I work in children's ministry at my church and so reading your book I was also kind of thinking in that realm as well and I was like oh (laughs) 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 I really hope I'm not doing you know like not letting the kids explain but we also have like times where the kids were like I drew this picture of zombies shooting monsters and I'm like not a good wonder cool that didn't really have anything to do with the story (laughs) I just read about this is Noah's Ark but Mm -hmm. good try yeah so I'm just curious like how is it how has your times of wondering influenced how you parent and sure maybe any advice and I think if you are even thinking in those terms I'm sure you're doing a great job in children's Mm -hmm. ministry I know I don't know like what the median part was but um it felt very prim, like it just started when I was kind of growing up. So I don't think anyone knew what they were doing. So <laughs> I'm sure you're much more thoughtful than, than what we were uh, exposed to. You know, I so my son is 10, and he just doesn't have questions. He's just not he's just not um, skewed that way. But my daughter, who's seven, she has a lot of questions. So I, I think, okay, this is oh, this is what I was like. Wow. <laughs> and I, I'll text my parents and apologize. But she'll she'll say like, you know why did Jesus have to come to earth? And I'm like, how do you succinctly, but not like overwhelmingly explain this? But we, we answer her questions with a lot of questions, you know, and we give her that opportunity to try to fill that out because question or answers were just given to me and it wasn't encouraged to be like, I don't know, like what do you, what's your impression of this? What do you think about this? It was all just like, well, um, Sodom and Gomorrah was sinful, so they all burnt to hell. So, <laughs> and now it's time for juice. So enjoy that, you know. But, it, but when you put it back on them, I think I do think you know. There's obviously a part where you have to fill in that because we actually I toe the line of how much do we expose them to, and you know, one of the churches we'd gone to before we moved, like they almost did the full court press salvation, you know, and they were like raise your hands and pray with us and you just accepted Jesus and we're like wait like they didn't they didn't know what they were doing you know so we're trying to tell the line of too much versus not enough but I don't know I think it's like I said if I think if you're considering that if you're thoughtful in that way I think you're already doing a good job <laughs> yeah what else I was going to ask when you first start, started developing this, this laugh that you have mm. when, did you start, <laughs> yes. when did people start pointing it out to you and saying no that's The the funny thing is, when we started, because Jamie and I had done uh, podcasts that weren't the podcast, like Bachelor stuff or other stuff, and uh, I remember telling him, like, Jamie, you just can't laugh all the time. Like, it's just not good content. You know, you got (laughs) to stifle that thing down. And I don't know at what point 
I started doing it because like, it's that thing of, I, when I listen to, to podcasts and, and I hear the hosts authentically laugh, like not like, you know, like <laughs> really laugh, like something tickled them. I think that's funny. I just think that's really funny. So initially I was cutting it out, but um, I thought, I don't know, I'll leave it in and, and see. And I don't know why it sounds like I have cancer or eczema, <laughs> but, but I do apparently. So yeah, I've got, I've had the wheezy, what's the, this, the cartoon from Hanna-Barbera, the wheezy dog. There's like a specific <laughs> yeah, dog. Yeah. yeah what's his name? No, I know who you're talking about. My dad also has a wheeze laugh, yeah. and we used to make fun of him for it. It's but I think it's because we need those laughs. Right now. We need them right now, so right? keep it up. <laughs> we really need. It's very them. sharp. Yeah. I apologize for that. Um, what breeds of dogs did you lead to Jesus? Ooh, so many, so many. Mine was a mutt. Um, there was a golden retriever named Scoop in our neighborhood. I led him repeatedly. He got run over by a motorcycle, so it was good, it was thing good you that I've done that. <laughs> yeah, it was very good. All yeah, lots. There, you know, we weren't a very um, breed kind of neighborhood. We were mutt neighborhood. If you know, you know what I'm saying. So um, yeah, we were we were the blue collar kind of dog evangelists. So. I think it's interesting that your parents didn't really instill that in you. Like that's what I mm. find so fascinating is my parents didn't instill these kinds of things in me, but school really did. Mm. Like in my Baptist school, yeah. we watched the Left Behind stuff. Oh, like wow. and we did. I mean, still, whenever somebody says bow your heads, I'm like, do we mm. have to? Right. <laughs> because we did bow your heads, close your eyes, and like raise your hand if you're not saved. And as a confused child I was always like <laughs> might as well uh, yeah, yeah. yeah better go ahead uh, yeah. yeah just in case whenever the pa- when you know there's no one raising their hand the pastor's like yes sir I see yeah. you there yes ma'am I see you there it was always me yeah. like I was always the one be like, <laughs> it's really traumatic though if you think about that's it that's probably the thing I'm most dubious about in the church is the guy who's always like yes like there's 15 people in every service always getting saved I don't think so I don't think that's so a, that's a shame there's so many yeah <laughs> Any other questions? So I um, talked to my priest a couple weeks ago, and I was like, "You, we're kind of the same people, same introverted mm-hmm. people. I was like, you need to listen to the podcast. <laughs> and then you need to listen to Bible Binge. And he called me on his way back from Savannah, and he's like, these people are cracking me. Okay. <laughs> Didn't know which way that could go. <laughs> He's chomping at the bit for it, but how does? And he said, like, I love it that they're they're real about pop culture, but they're unapologetically Christian, but it's not in your face. Mm-hmm. How does that burden feel? Because sometimes as a Christian, I feel like people are looking at me with extra scrutiny, mm-hmm. and to do it in such a public way, especially with the advent of the Bible binge, how does that? How do you balance that pressure versus you know? without leading people astray. Sure, yeah, that's like a anxiety that yeah. we have, you know, because I think with the podcast we know, I think we've got it framed pretty well, and there's never been a situation where she's done something I'm like, that was like not Jesus, you got to stop that, <laughs> or vice versa, we've never done that. But I think specifically with the Bible Binge, there's so, like even now, we're doing season four, and there's so much like, you're just, you're putting what you believe out there, so that's a lot. But then also like, you know, you want to be careful with how you talk about other people's faith, you know, and you don't want to, like, disparage that. And I think, like, that's something we take very seriously. But, you know, I think that's a, it's a great burden we have, and I feel like we feel like there's an opportunity to broaden the conversation in ways that you're not always able to have. Just because I, I don't know if I said this, but I have, like, going into the Bible binge, I... 
um, I don't know, I probably was coming out of a season of feeling butthurt at church and just, <laughs> you know, just like, what is this? Like, oh, oh. <laughs> and like, so my approach for that show was like, I don't feel smart enough to talk with my smart theological friends. Um, frankly, the Bible bored me sometimes, you know, <laughs> very boring. Um, like, it's not, but I was, but whatever. But I thought, what if we could have a conversation that didn't have all that draping over it and just strip it down and just focus on stories and the characters? Because I feel like they're so stripped of humanity sometimes that you don't realize that Mary was just like 13 or 14. Like, so what would that must have been like to be visited by an angel, you know, and not just she's Mother Mary, don't think about it any other way. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's a lot, but I think in a lot of ways we consider it our ability to have ministry um, in a weird way, and we feel like doing, you know, f- almost five years, four years of the podcast and walking that line of being funny but not hopefully like offensively funny has prepared us to maybe hold those two things together, if that makes sense. All right. Well, Knox, thank you so much for coming to the bookshelf. Thanks for coming to Thomasville on this terrible, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'm so sorry. It's, it's all good. Weather. Thanks for having me. Um, we are going to let you sign books awesome. and y'all shop and meet Knox and get your book signed before you head out. Absolutely. Thanks, Knox. That sounds great. Thank yeah. you, guys. of sin. Oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. From the Front Porch is a production of The Bookshelf, an independent bookstore in Thomasville, Georgia. It's produced by Annie Jones and me, Chris Jensen, and edited by me, Chris Jensen. If you're interested in purchasing any of the books we've talked about this episode, like The Wondering Years, you can do so at bookshelfthomasville.com shop. You can also go into the show notes of this episode on Apple Podcasts by hitting details under the episode where there is a link to Knox's book. Thank you so much to Forlorn Strangers for the use of our theme music. It's called Bottom of the Barrel, and it's from their album, Forlorn Strangers. Learn more at forlornstrangers.com. If you'd like to support From the Front Porch on Patreon and gain access to exclusive bonus content, you can check us out on patreon.com slash fromthefrontporch. And you can also find us at our website, fromthefrontporchpodcast.com, for web-only content and a full back catalog of our show with detailed show notes and links to further reading. This week in the bookshelf, I'm sure a funny thing happened, but I wasn't there to hear it. Thank you so much for listening, and we will see you next week.